Uh, when Pastor Nick announced uh, that some of the uh, bakery was made by your pastor, allowed me to clarify that he meant your associate pastor, uh, because I take absolutely no responsibility for the bakery, either in terms of its taste or its later consequences in your life. But bid and give generously, uh, nevertheless, uh, with our thanks. Uh, so today, uh, we come to the final week in the season of uh, Easter, uh, celebrating the ascension of our Lord, which took place 40 days after uh, the resurrection, which was technically last Thursday on the church's calendar of festivals and commemorations when St. Luke, both in the Gospel of Luke and in the book of Acts, which he also wrote, points to that moment when Jesus comes to the end of his physical presence in this world, takes his disciples, the 11 remaining apostles, out of Jerusalem across the Kidron Valley, onto the Mount of Olives and uh, to the village of Bethany where many things happened in their life together. And there, he blesses them one more time, after which he withdraws from their sight. As many of you know, I have uh, pointed out repeatedly that the ascension of our Lord is actually one of uh, the four major festivals and holidays connected with the life of Jesus uh, in the tradition of the church, uh, and one that gets uh, relatively little attention compared to the others. We, of course, have uh, Christmas, which marks uh, the arrival and birth of Jesus uh, into this world, which we celebrate in a very big way. Uh, we have Good Friday, where we commemorate the death of Christ on his cross. Uh, we have Easter Sunday, where we rejoice and celebrate uh, the resurrection. And then, number four, the ascension, where we mark the departure of Jesus in a way that, as I said, receives relatively little attention, at least compared to the other uh, three. In fact, last year at about this time, I was preaching about the ascension, and uh, I complain to you that in all my years here at St. Andrew, unlike Christmas and Easter, I have never one time received an Ascension Day card from any of you. Well, apparently, uh, somebody here was actually paying attention uh, that day, or at least they want me to stop complaining, because last week I received not one, but four Ascension Day cards uh, from the people of St. Andrew. So thank you very much, and I will now stop complaining, uh, at least about that. You know, when I was growing up, we actually went to church for service on Ascension Day itself. And for about the first third of my years of pastoral ministry, I actually conducted Ascension Day services on that day for a small group of people, one of which I remember uh, in a very special way because it was on Ascension Day that my wife went into labor with our second child uh, and gave birth to Lauren later that night, after which I began calling it Descension Day. Uh, at least for a while. But the truth of the matter is that Ascension Day services have practically disappeared in the life of most churches for lack of interest with uh, only a few of them, like ours, moving the celebration to the following Sunday, in spite of the fact uh, that the Ascension is all the way up there with the other three, with uh, Christmas, with Good Friday, and with Easter. And it is so important that we even confess it in the creeds we speak every single week. And maybe that's because uh, people like me need to do a better job at explaining what the ascension is and what it uh, really means, why it matters to us uh, even today. Or maybe it's because uh, the ascension uh, is literally 
an upper, if you'll pardon the expression, it may sometimes feel like kind of a downer, at least for a while, given the fact uh, that the Christ who changed the lives of his disciples, uh, who watched them change the lives of so many other people in so many ways, was leaving them in terms of at least his physical presence. He was saying farewell to them. He was saying goodbye to them. He was blessing them one final time before his departure from the Mount of Olives. And uh, why would you celebrate that when our default response is normally uh, separation or even grief when somebody we love who loved us, who blessed our lives, who changed them forever, moves away or passes away and we no longer see them with our eyes? And yet there is that very curious, there is that very intriguing, there is that very counterintuitive statement that Luke makes at the end of the passage today when he reports that after the ascension of Jesus, the disciples turn around and they return to Jerusalem with great joy. And how in the world is that? How is it that the one who came into their lives who blessed the kids, who forgave their sins, who called ordinary people like fishermen and tax collectors, who elevated women and foreigners and the outcasts of society to special places of closeness to God, who dismantled the endless sacrificial system of paying for sins by paying for them himself, who helped us understand what inner peace and what true love are really all about? How is it that he leaves them? And their dominant response is great joy. That's why the ascension still matters. Because the answer to that question is also found in the passage itself. And that answer can also bring you and me great joy in our lives, even in the midst of the necessary endings and the changes and the chances that life has to offer. And so when you go from the end of the passage in Luke 24 to the very beginning of the passage, what you find is that prior to his ascension from the Mount of Olives, Jesus gives that motley crew of 11 remaining disciples four very important things that would bring them that joy and would change their lives forever. First of all, he gives them his word. And he tells them that the prophecy has now been fulfilled. In his birth and life, in his death and in his resurrection, so that those who believe in him will have this abundant and everlasting life beginning right here on this earth. Second, he gives them his mission. When he says to them, you are witnesses of these things, so that repentance and forgiveness of sins would be proclaimed to all the nations. And the word for nations in the New Testament is the word ethne, ethnic. All the ethnic people, all the people of the world, beginning in Jerusalem. And in Luke's report in Acts chapter 1, he adds, and in Judea, which is the area surrounding the city of Jerusalem, in Samaria, which is the hated foreign land to the north of Judea and to the ends of the earth. That is quite a mission 
for 11 followers of Jesus who know nothing from nothing. Thirdly, Jesus gives them his power. And he says to them, and you will be clothed with power from on high. And he's pointing, of course, to the power of his spirit in their lives, in their hearts, and in their minds. And the outpouring of that spirit on the day of Pentecost, which we will celebrate right here next Sunday. And then finally, he gives them his blessing. And while Luke doesn't tell us what, if anything, he specifically says, you know, I can't help but go back to Matthew 28 and the Great Commission. When the, when the risen one looks at his followers and he says, you guys go. Make disciples of all the nations, all the ethne. And as you go, I will be with you to the end of the age. Jesus gave 11 young individuals who were deeply flawed, who were far from perfect, a roadmap and a purpose for the rest of their life serving in the greatest cause this world will ever know. And that's how they got to go back to Jerusalem with great joy because they had his word. They had his mission. They had his power. They had his blessing. And wouldn't you know it, they carried out that mission, setting off a chain reaction of forgiveness and grace. And that's one of the reasons I love the fact uh, that St. Luke's gospel, which is one of the four biographies of Jesus, ends with the ascension of Jesus. And the book of Acts, which Luke also wrote and contains uh, the history of the birth and growth of the early church, begins with the ascension of Jesus and how that was the turning point that set off this chain reaction of witness that would cross the boundaries, spread across the world, travel through the corridors of time among the generations and obviously eventually into your life. And so why does that all still matter to us today after all these centuries? Why is ascension still important? Because if you believe that as a follower of Jesus, then you will never again have to wonder about your value as a person, as many people do. You will never have to wonder again about the purpose of your life, as many people do. I mean, you can uh, struggle with your vocation. You can wonder about your college major. You can ask whether you're doing the right thing at the right time with the right people in the right place. Uh, you can even imagine what you're going to do someday when you retire. You can do all of that. But you never, ever will have to wonder about your value as a person or about the purpose of your life, which as a child of God is to know him and to make him known. To give glory to the one who makes his mission our mission, who makes his will our work no matter what else we happen to do in the course of your life and your journey in this world until you go to heaven to be with him. Uh, I once knew a, a Christian counselor who said, I would go out of business if everybody really believed that. On the other hand, an author and theologian by the name of G.K. Chesterton uh, once wrote uh, that the number one argument against Christianity in the world today is not the message of Jesus. It's the behavior of Christians. 
And I think that at least to some extent, uh, that is very true. And it, it makes me think of how on that Ascension Day, Jesus could have stood there on uh, the Mount of Olives with his disciples, looking at Thomas, who doubted him, at James and John, who jockeyed for recognition from him, at Matthew, who betrayed his faith as well as his country, at Nathaniel, who questioned his identity, at Peter, who denied even knowing him. And Jesus could have easily said, you know, I think I better stay and do this myself. But that's not what he did. Instead, as St. Paul put it, we have this treasure in earthen vessels to show that the power belongs to God and not to us. Instead, he gave those imperfect, deeply flawed young individuals the keys to his mission, and he said, go get them. You got my word. You got my mission. You got my power. You got my blessing to go out, turn the world upside down. And so another thing that the ascension tells us is that not only is the prophecy and the past fulfilled in Christ, but there's also a future that's promised in Christ as well. As Jesus promises the power of his spirit. And, you know, when the spirit of Jesus gets into your heart, your life, and your church, I mean, just watch out. As a matter of fact, you know, the, uh, the power that Jesus refers to uh, in the Bible is expressed by the, the uh, Greek word dynamis, which means dynamite. Dynamis is where we get dynamite. It's like spiritual dynamite. And you never know how far that power is able to go through ordinary, deeply imperfect, profoundly flawed people like you and me. And so it may interest you to know uh, the next year, uh, marks the 75th anniversary of this congregation. And uh, that this year, 2023, uh, marks the 15th anniversary of the dedication of this house of uh, worship, which some of you still refer to as the new church. And even though uh, I've only been here for a little more of one third of those 75 years, though it may seem a lot longer to some of you, uh, nevertheless, you know, what strikes me or all the things that have happened because the spirit of Jesus got into you and to those who came before you because people who had his word, his blessing, his power, his mission responded joyfully to that mission and sure enough, they made it go. And so many of those things uh, began with, you know, some innocuous conversation in somebody's office or in somebody's house or over the phone or, or through an email. And, and so I remember uh, back in the day having to explain uh, to people what a parish nurse was. And now we have a health and wellness ministry that has more medical supplies at St. Andrew than they have at CVS. Uh, I remember uh, being visited by a pastor whose name uh, is Yared, never imagining on that morning in my office that the result would be a mission that would grow this family of God in some beautiful, wonderful ways and send one of those family members onto seminary in his journey as a pastor in the church. 
I think about moments like the moment when a former uh, member now with the Lord uh, was in a conversation at our former location about uh, the limited parking and uh, uh, the constraints on space and our inability to grow in that location and how in the middle of that conversation he looked at everybody and he said, well, you know, it's not like we can pick up the whole congregation and move it to another place. To which God said, oh yeah? Watch this. Or another question I remember, which was something along the lines of, why would you have a worship service at 7 o'clock on a Monday night? Or I also think about that small group of young followers of Jesus who were, for the most part, in their mid-20s at the time, who rented some space in an elementary school not far from here, to have a summer vacation Bible school, literally for a few dozen kids. I can't imagine that any of them stood in one of those classrooms with their milk and cookies and looked at each other and said, someday there's going to be a congregation of more than 2,000 people because of what we're doing here today. But that's what happens when the spirit of the risen and ascended Christ gets into it, into us, into his church. That's what happens when you have his word, when you have his mission, when you have his power, when you have his blessing, when you have the assurance of his presence with you and me every step of the way and every single bit of it for the hope and transformation of this world as we stand on the shoulders of people who came before us who we no longer see with our eyes. And as we continue to set off this chain reaction of grace and acceptance and forgiveness and love for people who will take that baton long after you and I have gone to glory. And so the ascension, if it tells me anything, it tells me the prophecy has been fulfilled, the past is fulfilled, the future is promised. If there's one thing I know about the ascension here at St. Andrew, it is that God is not finished with us yet. As we take his blessing, his power, his mission, his word, and we keep that chain reaction going, knowing our value as the children of God, knowing our purpose as the sisters and brothers of Jesus Christ, Trusting and believing that that message is for all the ethne, all the nations, for everybody in the whole wide world, and believing that in him, the very best is yet to come. Happy Ascension. Thanks for the cards. <laughs> the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. <laughs>